Hello and welcome to another episode of Mere Fidelity, where we have conversations about life, theology, the church, and the culture. Uh, my name is Derek Schmally, and I'm joined by the full cast and crew, Matthew Lee Anderson, Alistair Roberts, and Andrew Wilson, who, whenever he graces us with his presence, is just a breath of fresh air. And so we're, we just want to say thanks for coming <laughs> on, Andrew. Thank you uh, for, for, for just clearing up a bit of time for us today. So... Glad to have you back. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> then, you know, they're now all wondering who the special guest is. Yeah, no, right? Um, now, now, today, though, we want to pitch it over to Matt because we're going to talk <laughs> about something he knows about. So go ahead, Matt. Why don't you go ahead and just lead into the discussion? We're going to reduce the show to a fundraising appeal is what we're going to do. Um, uh, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. I... Uh, recently announced a fundraising project for an event that I'm doing through my church here in Waco, of all places. And I haven't said very much about where it came from publicly or why I'm doing it. Actually, I think if you've listened to the podcast, you've probably heard hints and clues that something like this was coming through our political discussions. Um, I've, I've alluded to my life in Waco Probably enough that it would this this thing that I've announced would make sense, um, but otherwise it probably came out of left field for people if they looked at it at all. Uh, but here's the deal: um, last year I had an idea to serve a meal to the families of inmates at our county jail. Through a long set of circumstances, I've gotten relatively involved in. Uh, my county jail and in the lives of some people who have been in the Texas prison system and uh, their families as they've been in the, the prison system. And it's, it's, it's become apparent to me that it's really hard to have a family member in jail. It's really hard on the families um, for, for lots and lots of reasons. And um I, I I had this idea to serve a meal to the family members. And the kicker is the thing that, that took it to a new level for me. Like when I had that idea, I thought, oh, that's a good idea. We should do that. That'd be, that'd be great. But what actually strikes me as really unique about it, really exciting about it, is um, we've invited, and we're inviting, and they're very receptive to coming. They're very excited about it. We, we're inviting local law enforcement to join us in serving this meal, which means if you step back and think about what that means, that means that we're going to have a context and an opportunity where the people tasked with executing the laws, or at least um, ensuring in a provisional way that laws are being respected, uh, are going to be in the same place serving meals to those who are most immediately affected by their God-given duty to uphold the laws, right? The families of those who have been, uh, in some cases, convicted. In some cases, they're awaiting trial. But, you know, the people in jail are at least able to, or they're at least in situations where they're um, being held accountable on some level for, for something that they've done. And their family members are, are bearing that weight. And we're going to have, we hope, uh, a number of, uh, many, many uh, law enforcement from uh, Waco in our county helping us serve this meal to those family members, which to me is just, it's really remarkable. 
Um, it's a really cool opportunity. And I'm pretty sure, guys, that there is almost nothing like this happening in America. Uh, there are there are opportunities that I know of where police come to community events, of course, and, and serve the communities and so on and so forth. But in terms of like direct engagement with family members of those who are incarcerated as a result of their police's actions, like that, that, that to me, I've checked with people who know these things and they, they've confirmed for me that they're, they, they don't know of anything. If it's happening out there, I'd love to hear from listeners. But to me, it's, it's, it's a really remarkable thing, if I can say. So that's the opportunity uh, I wanted to take. You guys are very gracious to let me talk about it um, because I need help. Um, I need help in uh, funding it in the first place, but my hope is also that people would hear the idea and be intrigued enough to try to replicate uh, something like it in their own communities. Because from my standpoint, it's an idea that's worth replicating. That was that was a long. So I need to stop talking now. <laughs> Generally the case, but. It's okay. We, we asked you this time. Uh, um, no, I, I think we, I, I was intrigued when I first heard this, uh, this idea when we chatted a while back about it. And so I think it's worth talking about, uh, especially just how this, how these kinds of programs impact our local communities. What, what's the intended effect? What are the possible, um, the issues that need to be thought through beforehand, things like that. So I'd be curious to see, to, to chat about those things. Uh, Andrew, Alistair, thoughts? So can I just, uh, this is total ignorance now. So give me an idea, so scale. Right, how many meals, how many times, how many people, uh, how many people serving, like like, like just some stats and facts and figures, just so I get the idea, because I, I, this isn't something I've got even close to doing myself, so I have no idea yeah. really what, what sort of how big the prison is how many people would be being served what the you know what the effect would be what you know how the, how the economics work how how many people yeah you know, all that kind of stuff it would just be interesting to have you got a sense of the scale or, or do you not really know is it might something that might grow or contract according to how many you're able to do or have you got like a this is what we're shooting for kind of yeah so it's 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 literally one meal um, we're doing it at the jail itself because the families of uh, uh, inmates are very busy and we want to incentivize a visit to uh, their family members. And so we're doing it there. We're inviting social service agencies to be present at the meal uh, because we'd imagine that there's going to be times where they're going to have to be waiting to, to see their loved ones. And so we want to make use of that time. And um, in terms of the the size and scope, you know, Waco is a town of, I think, of 110,000 people. Our jail has, uh, it's variable, but uh, last I checked uh, in the late summer, it had about 1,200 people in it, um, which is a pretty significant number. Um, the In terms of what we're expecting, I will spend the spring going through the jail, telling all of the inmates what we're doing, and inviting them to uh, actually uh, invite their families directly. Um, so the invitations to the families are going to come from the inmates themselves. And um, we don't actually know how many people we're going to get. We're, we're anticipating, we're budgeting for 800 people. Um, 
but it's totally possible that it could catch on. And, you know, uh, if, if half the inmates families came, you know, and we had 600 inmates families that, that were present, we could have upwards of 1500 people, um, which would be incredible. It'd also be really difficult. I don't know how we'd handle all of that. Uh, but we're, we're sort of banking on 800 people, uh, serving, serving a meal to, which is, which is, you know, that's a large number. Um, it's, it's a lot to put together food for that many people. Um, and it takes a lot of different resources. So that's, that's the scope of the event. I mean, in terms of, in terms of some of the dangers, Derek, that you mentioned, there's one of the hardest things about doing this is, and one question that I've thought about for a long time is something like, how do you I almost want to say be radical to use language that uh, was very popular in evangelicalism five years ago um, without causing unintended negative consequences, right? Or without it becoming a kind of missionary project where you're trying to save the world. Um to me, the, the the hardest part is 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 trying to figure out how to do this sort of thing without falling into either of those traps. The way in which I think, um, which I think are, are are traps that a lot of people who do work in these sorts of areas tend to fall into, um, and that's that's been really really tough. What experience of um, previous projects of this kind and of work in these situations do you have involved in the project at the moment um, yeah i mean so look the backstory is here's here's where this came from so my church last fall there were the the, the dallas police shooting happened uh last a, a year ago uh last spring i think it was uh, we had a number of uh police officers in dallas who were who were shot and several months after that my church announced that they were going to be delivering meals to all of our county's first responders, all of our police, fire, etc. And I was really uncomfortable with that. Um, I was I was really really uncomfortable in part because obviously policing is um, it's a very controversial work in America these days for lots of reasons, and um, I. So I was very uncomfortable with that. But it was around that same time that my buddy Zach went into the prison system and I started learning a lot about what it was like having a loved one inside of the jail. And it was that a year ago, literally a year ago Advent, that I was talking with uh, a friend and I had this idea to serve this meal and to have the police serve the meal as well. From my standpoint, it was a huge idea. It was way, it was a way bigger idea than I had the capacity for, the resources for, or anything. And the only thing that I decided to do was to um, inquire about the idea until someone told me that I couldn't do it. So I literally spent um, the next month through the end of January meeting with Waco. Um, Sheriff's Department, Waco Police Department, meeting with uh, the leadership of my church and so on. And it turned out that um, the, the, 
the police and sheriff were super excited about the idea. They were very, very interested in it. And in terms of the logistics, I hadn't even known it, but it turns out that my church had, uh, for many years, served a meal to the homeless population in Waco uh, and had served around a thousand people. Um, and the, 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 a woman at my church had organized all of this. And when I told her the idea, her, it, her immediate response was, oh, that's no problem. We can totally serve that many people, which to me was like the whole, awesome. like, that was the hard part. I had no idea how I was going to serve a meal to a thousand people. What I, what I knew that I could probably do was if we had the idea, I could figure out how we could get it funded and, and I could work with the organizations to, to get them there and, and make the, the environment right and do all the other sorts of event type things because I've done a fair amount of event planning. I've, uh, you know, the future of Protestantism at an event. Uh, at Future of Protestantism, Biola was something that I've done. You know, I've done enough of that, but I hadn't, I've never planned a meal for this many people. Um, and that was only one of the moments in this whole journey where the resources that I needed were were there in a way that was really unexpected for me. That's wonderful. Um, Andrew, you initially kicked off any yeah, to me it was just it, it was just fascinating to try and get a sense of scale because I can't even I mean I like imagine others just going I don't really even know how I'd do that, um, or even what it would involve and it's just just sounds like a very daring <laughs> kind of thing to do and just hearing even to me just hearing facts and figures makes me go oh wow that's that's a really substantial piece of work and um, and something that you you just you almost want to. You almost want, I don't know, film it or, you know, uh, you, you want to find a way of capturing somehow, whether, you know, writing about yeah. it and that sort of thing, what happens, because I think you, in some ways it's the human face of it, isn't it? It's the stories, the abstraction is very difficult. And I think up front, you're painting a vision like that for people to, because it isn't commonly done. And as you said, I think there's no, nothing like this going on in America that you know of. I think, well, that, that actually makes it quite difficult almost for people to go well this is cool i could do that whereas when you actually have something that's done and people have seen it or people have heard about it and you get stories or you know that human interactions that make these things aren't they i think it's a little bit like church in that sense you you go actually as an idea this kind of sounds a little bit difficult to get my head around quite how it will how it will look but when you have done that and then people see it and hear stories about it i think it, it could be an amazing example of the sort of thing that people can do and doesn't and i just i'm intrigued by the logistics of it because i think that's the bit that like you sounds like it would be almost impossible but it's just fascinating to hear so for me just even i didn't really feel like i had any it's not like the often discussions we have where there's i disagree with you about that i think it's a terrible idea i think you should put all the criminals over here and all the families over here and all the policemen over here and they should never speak and they should hate each other and clearly this isn't that kind of a discussion but i think even just to tease out what it is and why you got to the point of wanting to do it and how it's working. That's fascinating. I'd love to come back to it as and when it's happened and just get a sense of how it went and to what extent it met your expectations and so on. I was going to follow up with that. The question that I had is the challenges in thinking through the logistics of uh, just getting law enforcement and uh, inmates and their families into a place safely, um, thinking through... I imagine those kinds of conversations would have been interesting. Just some of the things that you have to think through when you're 
trying to bring these different communities together. Um, so I, I was wondering if you want to shed light a little bit on that and, and, and even really more on, on what it takes to think through uh, managing these tensions when it comes to local activism and, and local, local initiatives like this that have the possibility for real payout, but at, at some sort of risk. So um, that that's one thing I'm, I'm think our listeners, especially those who may be intrigued by the idea and maybe want to pursue it in their own communities, would maybe need help thinking through. So it, whatever you can share on that would be interesting. Yeah, Derek. No, I appreciate that. I think this is the most interesting dimension of the whole thing, and I think it's um, when I when I first announced the project, it was a point where some people. Uh, criticized me. There, there was genuine criticism of of the fundraising appeal um, before we'd actually done anything. Um, the, in terms of the risk, one way in which I was able to sort of break through and and get people interested was by presenting an idea that was even more risky than what we ended up doing. So. I, I didn't say it, but the original idea that I had and the, the first idea that I went to uh, the sheriff's department and Waco police with was not serving a, a meal to the families of inmates, but serving a meal to the inmates themselves, um, <laughs> uh, uh, which um, the, you know, both the Waco, the, the, the police and the sheriff were intrigued by, and neither of them knew how they'd be able to pull it off logistically. Like they just, they heard the idea and thought that's, that's, that's an interesting idea. The logistical challenges of trying to serve meals inside of a jail are just way too much. And for them, the risks of putting law enforcement in such close proximity with inmates um, was just, they was, it was too much risk. They couldn't, they couldn't deal with it. Um, understandably, right. Um, it was a crazy idea, but in some ways the, the, uh, the idea of serving a meal to the families of inmates is a, uh, a mitigated version of that. It's a softer version of that, but it carries some of the same risk. And it carries risks, I think, on both sides, right? Families of inmates might have deep animosity towards the law enforcement, right? These are law enforcement are the people who have taken their loved ones away. Um, there is the possibility of genuine and real enmity between these communities. And for those who are family members to come to a place where they know law enforcement are going to be present, present in a non-punitive context, right? In a, in a way that's where they're, uh, we're only asking for volunteers to come. So no, no law enforcement who is on the clock, so to speak, is going to be helping us. Um, but uh, for, for, for families of inmates to come it's it's a real risk, right? Like they they might not do it, which is why I have to we have to go through the whole jail and allow inmates to invite their families themselves um, because of that risk, right? So it's a risk on their side, but it's also a risk in one sense on the police side to to come because they're people who. Um, <laughs> are tasked with upholding the law 
and you you know they carry a heavy burden and seeing the effects of their uh, justin right uh, use of 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 their authority up close is i imagine just really difficult it I, my 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 sense is that sitting and talking with someone who whose family member has gone into to a jail system and hearing what that's like would make the work of policing more complex, um, which is partly my hope in this, right? It's to, <laughs> to make the work of policing more complex. And it's to, in one sense, to try to provide a kind of context where the possible enmity between these two constituencies is at least mitigated or diffused or qualified by uh, something like uh, mercy and by something like the the remembrance that uh, we have a common citizenship as 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 Wacoans, as as people who are members of the city rather than as police and and family members of of inmates and convicts so i th- that that sense of risk is to me um, it's really hard to to manage and it's it's the point at which all the good intentions um, are insufficient for doing something well like this. It's not. It's not enough to do something like this and say, "Well, you know, we intended to do good." You have. You have to do. I think a fair amount of risk analysis, and and really put yourself in in a position to um, to see what sort of dangers, what sort of uh, 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 challenges those you're trying to serve might face in uh, through what you're doing and try to mitigate that as much as possible. And I think, I think we've done that, but we're not going to know for sure until we actually pull the, do the event and look retrospectively. And, and, you know, I'm sure there are certain things that we've not thought of. That's uh, <laughs> that is a very complex picture. I, yeah, I wouldn't even know where to begin. Um, Alistair, you've been silent. I'm curious what you're making of all this, or if you have any follow-up questions you'd like to ask. Oh, I'm very interested. I'm very interested in a number of aspects of it. Um, something we've found in the past, or in various churches have been part of, is that being involved in a project like this that's very outward-looking and involved in um, serving a community that might not otherwise have contact with, that it changes your idea of what it means to be the church. Um, I'll be interested to know how you found that and also how people's respo- people have responded to um, the church seen in this particular way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling because when I first sent this link around this to this fundraiser uh, uh derek i think you emailed me and said people are going to learn that you're an episcopalian uh, uh this is right? what i thought this was going to be the biggest reveal of all <laughs> this is going to be the biggest initiative reveal. yeah that's right that i'm attending an episcopalian church which i am um and there's lots to say about what it's like being a uh, thoroughly conservative christian inside the Episcopalian church right now. Um, uh, 
But it's not disconnected from, I think, your question, Alistair, in terms of what how the church thinks about itself in terms of these sorts of opportunities. The church that I attend is is small. It's very faithful. Um, it's uh, it's aging, uh, as many uh, Episcopalian churches are. Um, but it's starting to have something of a younger core that's slowly, not quite renewing it, but it's at least sort of replacing, as it were, the, the, those faithful members who have passed on into glory. And the thing is, the thing that I've, I've sort of discerned or detected is that it's very easy for churches in that sort of situation to become very anxious about their existence and to, in one sense, turn inward and to think about their own internal programming and all the things that they can do in order to um, make it to the next generation, as it were. When in one sense, the, paradoxically, I think the, the, the impetus is, has to go the other way. Um, life comes in part from uh, fulfilling the works of service which God has placed the church on earth to do. Uh, through the preaching of the gospel and uh, the ministry of charity. And uh, from my standpoint, there's there's a strong sense in which um, undertaking a major initiative like this for a church is not just a sign of health, it's almost a, a, a source of health, right? Like it's a way in which the church keeps itself alive. Um, and so from my standpoint, it's... It, Part of part of the part of the project, and I didn't think about any of this when I first had the idea. But part of the project is very much r- wrapped up in um, being a faithful churchman and um, uh, trying to bear witness within my community as a member of this church to the kinds of goods that that we think the gospel has. Um, I don't know that that answers your question directly, Alistair. I, I probably lost the thread of it. No, it definitely relates to it. I think my experience is that very often when we focus upon the weaknesses of our communities and things like that, that we fail to see that it's actually in exerting ourselves in such projects that we we will develop the strength that we need. Um, and also, I think something that has been striking to me being involved, for instance, in setting up a um, a soup kitchen for homeless people in um, my parents' church in the past, it was striking to see how much it shook up. Um, it shook up a lot of people in the church who were expecting a particular way of doing church, a particular way of relating to the outside community, um, going in every Sunday morning and evening for a service, but apart from that, having no relationship with the the community that immediately surrounded the church building and then also having a sense of what it meant to be an active community not just a community that was an audience for sermons but a community that was deeply engaged in doing something together and the sort of unity and collective energy that that developed was profound and also the spiritual 
response to that was significant. And the other thing we found was that as we got involved in this, there were a lot of resources from roundabout that were largely untapped, but suddenly we realised that they were there. Lots of people within the business community around, other people in churches that were affiliated with ours, and all these different people within the church who had abilities that weren't actually being used in church ministry. And suddenly these things come to the surface and you realise you have a lot of strengths and abilities to do things that you haven't actually been drawing upon. And when you start to draw upon them, suddenly you realise just what is there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, that's very... It's a very the kinds of people who are drawn to certain aspects of church life are... Or not, as in a lot of people are drawn to the kind of thing that you're talking about, Matt and Alistair, and in many of our churches that find it very difficult to engage or often just find it a little bit superfluous or not very real to them to engage with some of the more standard worship practices of the church. And although they're still very helpful and formative and, all, and so on, that actually often the, way, the thing that really animates them is ministry in the community in ways like you're describing. And I think that it actually yeah. opens up another whole bunch of people who can participate in sort of mercy ministry or whatever you call it that wouldn't necessarily find it so easy to access a lot of things that were happening in more ecclesial or you know, liturgical context. And I think that's quite a fact. That's, that's an, another, it's not why you do it, but it's a very helpful, um, mm. you know, side effect of it, if you like. I think the other thing we found that I think is quite significant is that we very often focus, people will, particularly from an evangelical background, we understandably emphasise the primacy of the word. And we can be a bit wary of investing too much of our resources and energies into um missions of mercy and things like that, although evangelicals do an awful lot of it. Um, but often there is this sense of how should we negotiate um, these things when actually what really needs the resources are the ministries, various ministries of word that we ex express. But yet the church seen as a sign of the gospel, as a sign of the kingdom and the um, newness that, the newness of life, that Christ brings is a profound accompaniment to the verbal witness of its ministry, that what it is witnessing to is a life that is manifest within its, within its work more broadly. And so I think that connection is very important that we shouldn't detach these sorts of projects from the witness of the church to the gospel. At the same time, Alistair, I, I wonder if, and this is not something that I've thought about, but I, I, I wonder if there are um, certain projects, if, if there's a sort of scale of directness of the ties to the gospel, or in, in, in the sense that some works of ministry, mercy, some, some, some mercy ministries are going to have more immediate bearing or derivation from the substance of the gospel than others. So the thought yes. is something like, if you think about um, feeding the homeless, to use that example which you mentioned earlier, which is obviously a totally worthwhile thing to do. Um, ah, no, I'm going to take this back as an example. But what, 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 what strikes me about this project that I'm trying to do is that the church is standing ben between, in one sense, uh, just authorities and communities who 
have been seriously impacted by the use of that just authority, right? And the church is trying to stand between those two to bring them together, to provide a context and a framework in which they can interact and in which the just authorities work can be mitigated and qualified with a kind of mercy as a result. And that, that work to me is very like that sort of reconciliation proper uh, work of reconciliation has a different sort of relationship to the witness of the gospel than uh, the work of feeding the homeless. That's my intuition, at least. And I don't know that that works out. Um, both would be totally worthwhile. It's just they they would both uh, be framed in their relationship to the gospel in, in slightly different ways. Yeah, so I think that's I think that's the case. Although that it's not that one is less related to the gospel than others, but there is a very distinct way in which they ref- they are express a particular facet of the gospel in um, yeah. the way that they they work out. The other thing I was wondering um, was you talk about I think earlier on you mentioned the um, community of prisoners' families. Is there a sense of a community between the families of inmates or is there is that something that might emerge from this as as well a deeper sense of um being able to support each other within um their situation yeah that's a good question i don't know how much there is that's formal um i will say you know this came about by by way of as everything in my life comes about uh, these days by way of playing basketball at my local park um where i have i've just met a lot of interesting people and interesting friends and i will say that i am constantly amazed at the level of social support those who are in disadvantaged social and economic circumstances provide one another. I am just amazed at the level of support they provide. It's it's. I've learned more about uh, social support networks from uh, my lower class friends and neighbors than I have ever learned from the middle and upper classes. Um, and all of the language of conservatism about you know dense networks or you know, subsidiarity and the value of non-governmental relationships and so on, all that exists within um, certain aspects of the lower lower class communities in a way that just just doesn't in middle class communities. Uh, they're 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 extremely disadvantaged, but I am I am I'm constantly amazed at the sort of generosity that they have towards each other. So I don't know the answer to your question, Alistair. I I actually haven't thought as much about that aspect of it emerging from this, whether or not there's a kind of solidarity within um, that community that could come out. But I hope that would be the case. They have lots to, you know, uh, uh, to commune over, as it were, and and to fellowship over. And um, yeah, so that's something that I do need to think more about. Um, more broadly, I'm. I am curious, just thinking, looking forward beyond just this one event, we talking more about localism and activism and so forth. Uh, 
working with other churches? Have you brought other churches into this um, navigating? Uh, it seems one of those. It seems like one of the the natural moves, but at the same time, it could be hard because when it's contained within one church, you've you know you know who you who you're working with, you're operating with, you've you've delegated you've delegated this task to so and so who you see every week, and you know their reliability and and you've uh, apportioned that task. So I, I'm just wondering, have you guys connected with other churches that are joining in on this, or have other churches contacted you to do that? And if so, how have you navigated uh, how have you navigated that sort of thing? Or do you have any suggestions moving forward on that? Yeah, it's interesting because um, ecumenicism does tend to be a sort of trenches sort of affair, right? Yeah. Where, um, it's within the the doing of the works of mercy that ten people tend to downplay or overlook or or forget their ecclesiastical backgrounds. And there's something about that that's great. There's another something else about it that uh, uh, gives me pause. In as much as the uh, you want the work of mercy and of ministry to be tethered to. Uh, an institutional church home, right? And it that doesn't necessarily have to indicate that uh, your church home is the only church home uh, or that you're the only witnesses and ministers to the gospel, but rather that there is um, that there is a clear link between a particular definite church and this venture. Um, I... I haven't thought about the ecumenical side of it, like working with other churches. Um, I've, I'm friends with a couple of other pastors and I've sent this over to them uh, and I've not, I've yet to hear back and um, we'll see if anything comes from that. I'm not necessarily opposed to it. It's um, but partly for reasons that I had said earlier about these sorts of projects um, providing life to churches. That's also a key yeah. part. It's, you know, like in one sense, I needed because it's it's a project that I have uh, developed and worked on, and so on. I needed my church to be the lead, if nothing else, um, uh, because that's my church home, and that's who's going to bear the the responsibility for it. My uh, and so I needed them to be the lead. But if 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 people want to help in any way, I'm not going to turn them down. <laughs> um, uh, there's I'm not I'm not really interested in. Uh, being protective about the doing of the work because the work needs to be done. Yeah. So getting very particular here, um, how exactly can our listeners help you in this venture? I mean, here's here's the thing that you learn about fundraising. One, it's really hard. Two, um, you really appreciate the story of the widow's mites. The thing is, like, people who have even just shared the link to their friends has been, that's been so encouraging. It's been so encouraging. Um, people who like send me emails and say, Hey, this is great. I can't give, but I want you to know that I'm praying for you. That's been super encouraging people who have given $5. I love it. I love it. It's super encouraging. It's, it's very tangibly, very practically, um, this is I I I appreciate you guys letting me talk about this so much because I actually feel like this is a major moment in my own life um, 
work on prisons is is the sort of thing that's going to be a um, a more prominent feature of my own academic work going forward. Um, uh, it will almost certainly be a more prominent part of my uh, public witness and my writing going forward. Um, and so from my standpoint, this is, it's a, it's, it's a relatively major move just in my own life. And however people want to help, I'm, I'm certainly open to it. Very definitely, very practically, you know, the, uh, link will be at mirror orthodoxy to the fundraising campaign. If you can give $5, I, it would, it would just make me really happy. Um, and it, all the money goes just to this project. It's not going anywhere else in the church. Um, if you're worried about that, if we overfund, which, <laughs> which some people might be right and reasonable, um, if we overfund, all the money will go towards next year's project, because if this one's successful, we're going to plan on doing it again. Um, and, you know, so that's, that's the first thing, give money, um, beyond that. If you are, it, like, if you've listened to this and thought, Anderson's rambling, he's mostly incoherent, but I can see that there's something that seems kind of interesting and worthwhile here. And if you're interested in doing something like it in your own community, uh, please email me. Just let me know. I, I, I would love to talk with people who are interested in doing likewise and offer whatever support and insight um, I've gained through this process. Um, uh, yeah. So those, I mean, those are the, the two things that I would care about. Well, that's helpful. Um, if anybody, I don't know if you guys are, had more questions, but I think this is an app seems like a, an appropriate place to wrap things up for the week. Any, any last words, fellas? No? I just okay, want to say I thank you. I you guys have been very gracious and um No, yeah, I think it, I, I think it's it. wonderful what you're doing. I think it's a real step of faith and I just I love I love that you're doing it and I just if getting the word out helps make this thing a reality and helps the idea catch on, I just think that's wonderful. Thanks. No, yeah, that's great. Uh so once again, we will have we really would encourage you to go to the link at the show notes at neororthodoxy.com for this episode if you you're downloading it elsewhere um, just check out the initiative if nothing else to get a few more details and pray right uh, beyond beyond the finances and and other ways of helping which we really would encourage you to do um, just, just be praying that the Lord would be doing a work as it seems he already is there so uh, check it out that the, the link is in the show notes at neuroorthodoxy.com but for now uh, thank you for listening and we will be back next week 